Like humans are pretty simple. Um, we were developed over millions of years of evolution. Um, and the internet is what, 30 years old? Um, so like we have to remember if we do things because it's pretty, it doesn't mean that it's easy for the human to actually accomplish. Um, and you know, Tim Ash does a really good job of talking about this, the primal brain. Um, when you think about doing conversions, you really have to understand what are people's drivers? What are their motivations? Things like that. And many times people get caught up on, you know, I've got to have this specific design because it makes my ego feel good. And it's like, nobody gives a shit about your ego, dude. Everybody cares about the customer. And that's why most funnels fail is that, um, we let our ego drive the decision, our selfishness drive the decision compared to what's best for the customer. Hi, my name is Caitlin Pyatt. I'm a professionally certified marketer, and this is the Start Marketing Podcast, where small business owners can find authentic, accessible, and actionable marketing advice to help them grow and scale their businesses. I've worked in marketing for over 13 years, and it's an industry I genuinely love and a craft I believe can revolutionize and propel businesses to unimaginable growth. I'm the director of marketing at a startup, I run the Start Marketing community, and of course, I host this podcast. But I'm also a wife, a mom of three, and my house is generally always chaotic. I like learning about marketing, talking about it, and this is my favorite place to share my love of marketing. If you can't tell, I'm kind of a nerd about it. So I hope you're ready to soak it all in and start marketing. Hey, Start Marketing listeners, we have talked a lot about building funnels in the past, which as a recap is essentially mapping out the journey you want your potential buyers to take and then intentionally leading them through a small series of yeses to get them to purchase. But have you built a funnel only to find out you've kind of got some ho-hum results, right? You're seeing the leads start, but they never really close and get in. So... If you're wondering where you're losing those potential customers along the way, but you're not really sure how to fix it, I am excited for you to meet our guest today, Dan McGaw. Dan is an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and the CEO of McGaw.io, an analytics and marketing technology consultancy and SaaS platform, utm.io. In addition, Dan also finds time to be a 500 startups mentor and has previously started the first business accelerator in Orlando. He's also a thought leader in the MarTech world and CXL instructor on the topic, having spoken at the leading marketing conferences and online events, including Traction Conference and Forget the Funnel. His expertise lies in helping businesses extract and interpret the right data to grow their revenue exponentially. Dan previously served as the head of marketing at Kissmetrics, and in the past, he's worked as a CMO consultant for a number of high-growth companies, implementing tools, offering support, and analyzing data. In 2015, Dan was selected to be a United States Ambassador of Entrepreneurship by the United States Department of State, where he had the privilege to advise the government, universities, and private corporations on how to build entrepreneur ecosystems. He even flew out to Mexico to be an entrepreneur ambassador for Tijuana and Mexicali. That all sounds amazing. It sounds super fun and really cool. So Dan, welcome and thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this. Yes. All right. So before we dive in, we've talked about funnels on this show quite a bit. And but can before we dive into fixing them, can you give us an overview of the things that from your perspective and your experience really make a successful funnel that gets someone from the beginning to a sale. 
Yeah. You know, there's some general things that you typically have to look out for your funnel is one, you have to make it as easy as possible. I think people forget that they make their funnel really, really difficult. They require people to do a whole bunch of things um, and they add a lot of friction into that. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you remove friction. Um, One of those things that we've discovered over the many years is people kind of forget that um, you have a keyboard and you have a mouse. And when you force people to use their keyboard, they take a longer period of time. And what they'll do is they'll cause somebody to move their hands from their keyboard to their mouse, their mouse to their keyboard, things like that. And really, you want to make it so that that funnel is easy. So having click funnels, things like that, make it a lot easier. Collecting information on one page or making it so that that form automatically moves from field to field to field. Those are all things that are going to improve the user experience for the end user. So, you know, those are some simple ones. But at the end of the day, you just want to make it as easy as possible. The other person on the other side of this screen that you don't get to see is the one who actually matters. So you have to make the experience almost magical for them. Uh, to get them all the way through that and to get really, really high conversion rates. It's just got to be simple. Yeah, I think that's great advice because so often we kind of think about, you know, how do I, what are all these steps that I want this person to take, right? And we want them to do lots of things. We want them to download a freebie. We want them to join their our email list. We want to get them to sign up for like an offer. We want them to, you know... It, if we've got a product, we want them to buy a product and then we probably want to try to like upsell them. And it's sort, you know, that's a lot to cram in. And so I think thinking about this idea and thinking about simplifying all of that and how do I just kind of simply make that experience, like you said, very magical. It kind of goes into like that idea of moments of delight and just a really nice, Simple user experience helps convert people along the way better. And I think that's really easy to lose track of when you're thinking about what are all the things I want this person to do because I'm trying to grow my business and I want them to take all of my things. Yeah. You know, the the common mistake that we see in most funnels is people try to do things because they're cool or because they are designed pretty um, when they actually convert worse. Um, So, you know, you have to remember that like humans are pretty simple. Um, We were developed over millions of years of evolution um, and the internet is what, 30 years old. Um, So like we have to remember if we do things because it's pretty, it doesn't mean that it's easy for the human to actually accomplish. Um, And, you know, Tim Ash does a really good job of talking about this, the primal brain. Um, When you think about doing conversions, you really have to understand what are people's drivers, what are their motivations, things like that. And many times people get caught up on, you know, I've got to have this specific design because it makes my ego feel good. And it's like, nobody gives a shit about your ego, dude. Everybody cares about the customer. And that's why most funnels Mm -hmm. fail is that um, we let our ego drive the decision, our selfishness drive the decision compared to what's best for the customer. Hmm. I think I had not thought of, about it from that perspective, but as you were kind of talking about that, I recall some feedback that I had gotten on my website a couple of iterations ago, which was like, "Hey, I know you know I I had built my page on WordPress and just kind of used one of their templated things, and one of the pieces of feedback." from a copywriter that I worked with was like, hey, I know this looks really pretty, but it actually like really affects all of these other things. Like it makes the user experience worse, even though it looks really nice. And he was like, so, you know, my unsolicited advice in that area is change some of these things, um, which I did end up doing. But again, it's, I think it's easy to kind of look at it and go, oh, this is what, you know, somebody else that I really like you know, it looks really nice. And so I'm just going to kind of try to copy it versus Mm. just go 
going back to this idea of just simplifying it instead of over-engineering the funnel you want to lead them through and then over-engineering the experience of it, if you just build kind of that minimum viable product and put it out there, you're probably farther along than if you're trying to make it look fancier, I guess. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my buddies who uh, used to work for me here um, now runs a $20 million a year car waxing product business, right? This is like cheap spray you put on your car for waxing your car. And they took it from nothing to 20 million. And if you looked at their website, it is it is ugly as could be. But it is so easy to buy the product and their marketing, their YouTube marketing, their Google ads marketing, whatever it may be, is what sells it. And then you come to the website and it's this super ugly, but it you can get it done quickly. And it's a super easy funnel. And they do nearly $20 million a year just online alone. So, you know, pretty, while people think that's what converts users, don't get me wrong, there's a level of confidence you get in a brand because they have design or they have good aesthetics. That being said, when somebody's trying to buy something, they just want to buy it. And I, I mean, Zoom yesterday, I was trying to buy more licenses um, for my team to use Zoom. And the checkout flow was extremely difficult. Um, and it was frustrating for me, like a, a tech nerd, and I couldn't get it done. And if they changed, they just decomplicated it, uh, they'd probably see more people buy seats. Um, but, you know, I guess when you're as big as Zoom, sometimes you forget about the checkout page, which kind of blows me away. Um, so, I mean, keep it simple. I mean, going back to my time at Kiss Metrics, I mean, the reason why we were called Kiss was because it keep it stupid simple. Uh, and that was our methodology with everything was keep it stupid simple, uh, focus on the, the the user experience, the customer, and then everything else will fall into place. And I think a lot of customers or a lot of companies uh, lose track of that. Mm. I think that's I'm I'm running through the the ones that have gone really well for me, like brands and experiences that I'd be like, ooh, they're doing this awesome and I'm gonna go back and study it versus <laughs> the ones where I you know, and everybody has those experiences. And you can always kind of tell right away when you're like, Oh yeah, this is either gonna be a really easy experience and it's gonna be great, or I'm gonna bail halfway through because it sucks and I hate it. And and I think sometimes if we put ourselves you know, in our potential customers' shoes and look at our funnels and say, like, would this annoy me? Would I bail halfway through this? And if the answer is yes, then we probably need to reevaluate where we're at. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why testing is so important. Um, and especially if you have good analytics um, and you have good testing, you can iterate really, really quickly off of that simple funnel and test out different things to increase conversions. Um, and I think that's a, a process that most people kind of forget about is the experimentation phase. Um, but it's honestly where your biggest numbers are going to come from. And changing um, a client that we worked with for years on funnel optimization, uh, a company called Forks Over Knives. They're a famous documentary in Netflix. However, they've converted that documentary into like a big Big media company, we help them. We help them sell all their products, and they have a bunch of them. But simply adding the two words to one sentence on the homepage increased conversions by twenty-seven percent. We're talking about increasing from one hundred thousand dollars a month to one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a month because we added at home. That was it. We added at home. Learn how to cook vegan food. People are like, great, it's a course. And we added at home increased conversions by over twenty-five percent. Why? Where, where do you take the course? Where is the person who's doing this course? Well, it's an online course. And we've discovered through research that everybody taking the course had originally learned how to cook at home with their mother or their father. Um, 60 something percent were mother. So we just added the language of learn to cook at home and it increased conversions, right? So um, that iteration step of that is really important, but you have to think about the customer. 
Um, and once we learned that everybody learned to cook at home and that's what they were expecting and we added the language, uh, we had an immediate impact, which um, that's why it's so important to know who your customers are and do the qualitative and quantitative research about your customers. Because if you're thinking, because at the end of the day, I know that people can't see me on this podcast. I'm kind of like a uh, an average size man. I'm 37, but I'm definitely like a lame white dude kind of look, right? If you had me going and buying Beats headphones and you didn't do the customer research on why I would be interested in Beats headphones when Beats headphones are hip, they're modern. Why would I want Beats headphones? Well, you have to know the reasons why if you're trying to optimize the funnel for me to buy. Um, and you have to know why um, somebody who's modern, hip or cool um, would buy those headphones. And you have to understand that customer um, innately and then design the experience around those things. And most people don't do that. They just go, I'm a, a stupid marketer. I'm going to build a stupid funnel that makes me feel good. And because I saw a picture on the web and then they wonder why their conversion rate is a one and a half percent or a half a percent kind of thing. So you've got to think about the customer first and most people miss it. I hate to say it. No, I, uh, I would totally agree with you. I just interviewed, um, Jeff Solomon, who we had a whole conversation. That was the entire interview was last week's episode. So if you missed it, listeners go back because we'll expand on this exact topic. It's, you know, it's exactly, exactly like you said, a lot of people forget to just do the research and it doesn't, even if you are a small business, if you're a solopreneur, if you're just starting out, even if you don't have the ability to hire someone and pay someone thousands of dollars to do the research for you, like you are capable of going out and talking to your potential customers, the people who are currently buying from you and learning and understanding why your message, your product, your service resonates with them. And then taking that back and really applying it is, is key to it. And it's something, I mean, even like you said, even, even marketers, we forget to do it. We, mm. we know it's the foundation. And I think you get caught up in this thought of like, okay, well, I've just, I got to get this out. Yeah. And sometimes, and I think this is especially true, like in the small business and this, the entrepreneur world, um, especially if you're just starting out, you're like, well, I needed to get this out yesterday. Like I, I wanted to start, I wanted to start selling things and making money yesterday. So you forget to kind of take that time to really explore, but something else that you said I wanted to ask you to do a little dive into, you talk about kind of iterating and testing, which again, like as a marketer, I know is really important and is something that I do. However, when it's just me, that that seems overwhelming. If I'm already overwhelmed by the idea of building a funnel – testing a funnel and like A-B testing or iterating it makes me like deer in headlights. So how how do you kind of coach people to say like, here's how you do that without feeling super overwhelmed by this concept or this idea? You know, being overwhelmed, in my opinion, in many cases, comes down to time management and priorities. So naturally, you need to worry about your time management and priorities if you're feeling overwhelmed. And if you want to do A-B testing, naturally, does it fit into the priorities, right? And the first thing that I would say for anybody who is interested in iteration and experimentation is, one, you need to understand if the test that you're going to run is going to have a meaningful impact to invest the time into it. 
And that's a common thing that people don't understand. Um, you know, if you have good measurement, you should understand the entire funnel. You should have, for the most part, I understand I capture 200 leads, 100 of those become MQLs, or 100 of those add something to their basket. Um, two out of that 100 people, only 10 people actually purchase. Um, only five people actually do repeat purchase. You need to look at that funnel and understand where the biggest choke point is first. And then what you need to ask yourself, okay, great. If I was to run an experiment, let's say at the, um, from ad cart to get somebody to purchase something in my e-commerce funnel, let's say that I was going to focus on that. And there's a 95% drop. I have a 5% conversion rate from somebody adding a product to the cart. And then also uh, 5% of them actually go on to purchase, which is great. Now you have to ask yourself, okay, so if I'm going to invest my time into this, and I'm able to increase the conversion rate by 50%. That would mean I'm adding 2.5 conversions. I'm now from five conversions to 7.5 conversions. Well, if that 2.5 conversions is worth $20, I don't think it's worth your time in many cases. Um, you have to make sure that you're putting the time value to whatever I'm going to work on. And if that's where you're only going to have a 50% increase, great. Don't focus on that. Maybe it's I need to get more people to add stuff to the product. You have to understand where your time is going to be most valuable in running the experiment. So first, you have to have that good measurement. Um, if you don't have measurement, I would not be, I mean, throwing my hat in to run a ton of testing, right? Like you need to have measurement or you can't tell something is winner. But if you are feeling overwhelmed when you get to that point, understand, first thing, close your eyes, think to yourself, I'm going to be okay, right? Like you can do this, you can figure it out. There's plenty of stuff on the internet. But when you have to run the testing, it all comes down to the tools you use, right? So a product like Google Optimize, really, really great product, allows you to run really quick tests. However, it's not going to be as easy as VWO. VWO, Visual Website Optimizer, much easier to use, but it costs money. Google Optimize is free. So you will have to weigh those things out. But I will say, if you are going to run real tests using a testing tool, you probably want to make sure that you have a little bit of support from a developer to help you with that stuff. Or what you can do is what we would call as a bandit test. So let's say that you have a checkout page, you just change the checkout page, and then you measure 30 days later, did it have an impact, um, which is less scientific. However, it's an easier test to run. You just compare one version to the other. Um, but you do have to take your time. Start with small things and work your way up. If you really want to understand how to start a testing strategy, just Google uh, Vice Framework. So V-I-C-E, Vice Framework. The blog post that should be at your top is a blog post about us. It talks about how you can use the Vice Framework to come up with testing hypotheses, how you prioritize your tests, how do you know a test is actually worthwhile. Um, and that'd be a good read for anybody who feels overwhelmed because we'll break it down into easier pieces for you. I love that. I think having having a framework is really important, especially especially if you are not a natural marketer. That right, that's a lot of people listening. Or I'm, I own a business. I I need to learn how to do some level of marketing and feel competent and confident about what I what I'm doing. And so having a framework is always really helpful. And I I really appreciate what you said about understanding the costs and the measurements involved because this was something I I have struggled with it. I struggled with it when I was a corporate marketer and I was telling people like, hey, like I have to understand, I was a financial marketer, how much money does it cost us to open a checking account? How much time does it take to open a checking mm -hmm. account? What is the lifetime value of that? Like what, you know, all of these, all of this information, right? helps me understand if the marketing I'm doing is actually making you money or just looks really good on the surface. Mm. And it's not actually that much different when I have worked with smaller businesses, kind of ask and understand like, hey, where are you, 
where are you at? Like, how much does it cost you to do X, Y, or Z? You know, like, what's your time? What is the what is the actual operations cost behind it? Because all of those things help you understand, like you were saying, is this worth it? Does this actually yeah. move the needle? And then it helps you prioritize, right? Like you were saying, you know, is this worth my time to try and optimize this or test this? Well, if you don't understand what you're looking at and everything that kind of goes into it, your marketing really just kind of becomes this vanity metric, which isn't mm-hmm. what you want it to be. Like it should be a solid driving force that you feel really confident and you, you look at it and you go, okay, I might have to experiment a little, but at the end of the day, I'm confident that I'm going to end up somewhere where this moves the needle for me. I agree. I think that uh, totally makes a ton of sense. Okay. So if I... If I'm looking at my funnel end to end, right, hopefully I've built something that's simple, like you said, how do I start identifying the weak spots in my funnel? Is it as easy as just kind of understanding the metrics or is there more more to it? How do I find them so that I can start to fix them? Yeah. And, you know, I, I wish I could say that measurement was the easiest part of all this, but it's probably one of the more difficult ones. You know, for most companies, especially small companies, I'm going to say, hey, listen, put all the whole numbers, the aggregate numbers in an Excel sheet and then do the math. Uh, what percentage of conversion rates? Because it can be really, really hard to actually measure a complex funnel. And the reason for that is we have so many marketing tools, right? Many companies' funnels are not just on their website. They start in advertising, they hit their website, they then go into an email flow. Maybe if you're a B2B company, you talk to a sales rep, that sales rep sends you to a webinar. There's there's all these different things. So getting all of that data can be really, really difficult to track in one place. That being said, if you're able to take out your, hey, we had this much traffic, we captured this many leads, we had this many add to carts, this many purchases, we had this many repeat purchases and track that in like an Excel doc or a Google Sheet, you know, that's going to give you the metrics that you need to know and you need to track those month over month to see how those metrics are moving. If you're a sophisticated organization, though, you can get analytics that tracks all of these tools. It's actually something that I talk about in my book, Build Cool Shit. Uh, I actually love the opportunity to give everybody a free copy of my book. Um, it's a it's it's all about how do you build the modern tech stack and how do you track it. One of the case studies in the book, though, talks about how we're measuring offline actions, so sales calls, things like that, actually in our web analytics product. So being able to measure the fact that somebody went from a lead to an actual deal, we can now see in Google Analytics, which is ridiculously awesome, right? You can see that full funnel. So if, you, if you're interested in the book, wanna give everybody an opportunity now. What, just pull out your cell phone really quick. I want you to go to your text messages. What you're going to do is you're going to text the word MARTECH, M-A-R-T-E-C-H. You're going to text that word to this phone number, okay? So the phone number is 415-915-9011. I'll say that again, 415-915-9011. Text the word MARTECH. Our text bot will capture all of your information, and it'll automatically ship you a copy of your book. Even that funnel we have, we measure the conversion rates of how many people fall off and at what text message from that text bot. Then when you go into the system, we measure every single touch point. We have a funnel and a product called Amplitude that tracks all those things. So the measurement part can be really, really easy by doing it in a Google spreadsheet, or you can do it really complicated by having it all in one place, which naturally is what we do uh, as a bigger company. But once you understand those choke points, then you need to start figuring out, hey, where am I going to focus my time? But try to keep it easy. Again, kiss, right? Keep it stupid, simple. Once you become more comfortable, you become confident, then move on to the next complicated part. Uh, but you have to have measurement or you don't know where to put your time. Yeah, that's great advice to just take it one step at a time because there's, and I've been guilty of this too, 
when I first started working with smaller businesses. Like I would say, you know, here's the whole process and like, let's work on all of it. And at the end of the day, you know, you learn as I, as I have over time, like you do, you do just kind of have to attack one piece of it at a time. And I think yep. that's something that we don't, we don't say it often enough and marketers especially can be really guilty of just being like, Hey, there's, you know, there's this whole process and you're supposed to follow it and this is what it's going to get you. So I like that advice, just focus on one, one small step and feel really confident about that and then move on to the next one because mm-hmm. you don't have to, you don't have to build Rome in a day. You can, no. you can, in fact, build it day by day. <laughs> yeah. So and that's how you get the big stuff done is you iterate on it, right? You do one step at a time. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. I come from the startup world, right? I mean, I started my first company over 20 years ago, but you've got to start small and you've got to stop trying to make everything perfect. Um, you know, you, it's okay to be um, authentic and have uh, normal things going on. Um, so definitely take it one step at a time and understand that you can iterate on things and make them better over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I I have been guilty of sitting down and being like, I have to build the most perfect system right now because otherwise, like, who am I? Then I'm just a fraud. But <laughs> I have I've learned over time that you you do. You just have to take it that one step at a time and really think to yourself, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn this piece and then I'm yeah. gonna move on and do it. Because otherwise, when you're trying to learn everything at once, it just becomes, that's when you start to feel overwhelmed and you can't prioritize and you're just like lost in the sea of of things that you feel like you're supposed to be doing that you can't take action on. Yeah. Well, there's there's a so, great trick to, to prevent the overwhelmness. It happens to everybody who works here. Everything that we do at our company is tracked in time. So as an example, right now, I know exactly how much time I've been in this uh, and all that stuff. Everything we do has a time tracker for it. And then we also schedule all of our tasks on our day um, on our Google Calendar. So everything is scheduled, every single thing that we do so we can manage our priorities. That's going to prevent you from being overwhelmed is if you do the prep work, everything else becomes a lot easier. Most people just skip the prep. Yeah, yeah. I... um I have a, it's called the big life journal and journal is like a a horrible misnomer for it uh, (laughs) because it's actually a daily planner, (laughs) Um, but I am old school. Yeah. I'm old school in that I like, I like having like a physical because going in and like actually writing my stuff down, something Mm. about that versus typing it onto my calendar, like forces me to really think about like, okay, is this where I'm going to spend my time? But it is exactly, it is exactly that it has you every, every month that has you set your priorities every week it has you every day and then you go in and you time block all of that stuff out so i i'm a big fan of what is it time called blocking. it's called the big life journal check um, this out this is cool thank you for the uh, recommendation yeah it is one of my favorite and they come not in like numbered like it you kind of add your own dates um, yeah you know, so like you can see, oh, there's a page. I like skipped a couple of them, but um, you know, like it, it's super cool. You go in and you set your priorities, and then you track everything. You go in, you time block. Has like love it. Gratitude exercises if you're into something like that. Um, so I don't I'm know totally why it's called a journal. Gratitude thing. I do that every day of the week with my my kids. We all have to say what we're grateful for. Um, I think that's huge. Is having gratitude. It does, it changes your perspective, right? I yeah. when I first got it, it wasn't something that I did on a daily basis, and I was like, ah, I don't know, that's just I don't know if this is for me. But it definitely definitely changes, and as 
as someone who has three kids and would show up to my desk at eight o'clock being like, I've been up for four hours already. (laughs) And I don't know if I'm feeling particularly grateful. The act of like sitting down and thinking about it and being like, okay, what am I grateful for this morning? It changes your perspective for the day. So I would, I would agree. So big life journal, if you are somebody who likes to do that, or if you want to try this, if you feel yourself being overwhelmed on a regular basis, I highly recommend it. So what is, as we kind of bring all of this together, what is one actionable step that listeners can take today in order to kind of put into practice everything that we've been talking about? Wow, that's a big question. What is one thing that they can <laughs> do to put all step? the things into practice? Um, or the, where do they start? Where what is what is the first thing that they should do to start putting this into practice? How yeah, about the uh, you know the first thing is just make sure that you have measurement, right? You um, you can't manage what you can't measure. So I think the first thing that you have to do is make sure that you have decent measurement, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you know that we have a common thing: uh, directional versus definitive. Uh, that we talk a lot about. And many times, if you want to become a big business or if you want to grow your business, it doesn't need to be definitive data. It just needs to be directional. Am I headed in the right direction? Um, and if you can get directional data and then leverage that, that's the first place you want to start because then everything becomes a lot more clear um, and understanding um, the strategy or the plan that you have to take forth. Because you might not want to do any experimentation at all. You might want to say, hey, listen, my business sucks. I need to go to a different industry. Who knows, right? Um, but I definitely think the first thing you need to do is a measurement. And then the other thing that I'll just say is you need to talk to your customers. I think the biggest thing that we see as a failure is people do not talk to their customers. They have this screen in between them and they don't ever get on Zoom calls to understand what's going on or doing customer development. And when they do talk to their customers, they kind of uh, mess it up by asking leading questions. Um, You know, there's a famous, a lot of people might know who Eric Reese is. He wrote the Lean Startup book. If you look up Steve Blank, you'll notice that Eric Reese basically took most of Steve Blank's content and repurposed it into a book. It's like the same thing. In either case, if you look up Steve Blank and look at how he recommends to do customer development, it is a great framework and process to truly know what your customers' problems are, their pain points, how they feel about things. Um, if you can get the measurement and you can get the customer part right, I mean, you're going you're gonna to grow great business. Um, screw the testing, right? Just learn what the customers want and make that. Mm, I think that's great advice. So two weeks in a row, listeners, you have heard someone tell you to go out and make sure you understand your customers. It's going to streamline everything that you do and help you make smarter, more educated decisions about where you spend your time, what you do, what you build from a marketing perspective, and really just help you feel more confident about what you're about, you're about what you're doing. My goodness. That was a tongue twister. I don't know what I was trying to say. Um, So, Dan, thank you for your time and your expertise today. I sincerely appreciate it. Where can listeners connect with you? Yeah, the best place to connect with me is going to be on LinkedIn. Just look up Dan McGaw. Um, I'm most active on that network, always looking to accept in-mails from people, things like that. Feel free to connect or follow with me. And then if you're interested in looking up our business, just go to McGaw.io. And actually, all the things that we do as a consulting company are also offered as free in our resources. So if you really want to learn this stuff, just go to our resources section in the footer, and then you can watch webinars, training videos, all kinds of stuff to learn everything I'm talking about uh, and do it in your own business. Um, So I hope people can take advantage of the free education. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have today. Take advantage of all of the great resources that have been offered to you by Dan. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed this, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Start Marketing to help other listeners like you find this podcast. Until next time.